your favorite kind of birthday cake? I'm not really a cake person. Ah. I, uh, mm, I Do you have another care. birthday food that you like to substitute? Oh, just a good meal in the evening or something. Yeah. Nice. Mm. Happy birthday to you. Hello. And welcome back to another episode of Happy Birthday, the podcast. I'm one half of the show. I thought you were going to say, I'm 100%. (laughs) (laughs) I'm one half of the show, Jeremy. And the other half? The other half is me. I'm Joe Power. Hello. Most of you probably know me personally. It's pretty much just our friends listening. <laughs> professionally as well. You have- yeah, professionally. Yes, professionally. Um, I'm Joe Power. My company, Things by Bean, is based in Melbourne. I make greeting cards, birthday cards. You, yeah. Anyway, all right. So today, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't psyched you out of your little spiel now, have I? No, no. I just sometimes I don't feel like saying yeah, it. Yeah, fair enough. It's like, oh, you know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. Um. So this is a podcast all about birthdays, as you know. You celebrate your birthday once a year, mm. correct? Most people do. Yeah, that it seems tends to be, to be the trend. A, an annual thing. Yeah. Um, it marks another year past, and for some people, that's a scary thing. It forces them to reevaluate their life. Every year, month, weeks, days, humans have been measuring this time for a long, measuring time in this way for a long time since uh, 300 BC, as far as we know. That's mm. when the modern day calendar was um, finalized. Right. Let's say. Um. And the organization of time, it wasn't a random thing. It was based on the cyclical nature of nature. Mm. (laughs) And um, so today we're going to get to know a year really well. Um, We'll be stepping back and looking at the big picture of what a year actually is. We'll be whipping on a magnifying glass and looking at the finer details of things that happen in a year's time Mm. on an annual basis. And um, basically just what happens when the Earth takes a trip around the sun. Wow. Yeah. What does happen? Okay. I'll tell you after birthday news. (laughs) 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 Birthday news. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So the other day, Netflix announced birthdays on demand. What? Yeah. (laughs) Sounds pretty good, right? I don't know. (laughs) Um, So what are birthdays on demand, you ask? Yes. (laughs) They're series of two-minute videos. Um, that feature kids' favorite characters from popular kids' TV shows um, wishing kids a happy birthday. So um, parents can search birthday in the Netflix search tool, and they can choose from 15 different um, shows, um, and whichever one their kid loves the best, they'll pick. And in the little video, the characters from that show will decorate a room and you know have some funny banter about birthdays and then sing happy birthday. And when I first like saw this, I was like, oh, that's not like, that's kind of lame. But then I was thinking about like how cool that would have been when I was a kid for like my favorite characters to tell, sing me happy birthday on my birthday. And like, you know, it's not a part of a normal episode. You know, it's something special. Yeah. Netflix getting on the birthday bandwagon. (laughs) They kind of labeled it as a way to like um, relieve. (laughs) And this is actually really stupid. (laughs) A way to relieve some of the parents of some of the pressure around their kids' birthdays. <laughs> like, uh, like parents are saying like, oh, you know, I feel like birthdays are really competitive now. The pressure's on because of Instagram and you're seeing what everyone else is doing and your kids want that. So now you can just press play on a two-minute video and make their day amazing. But I don't know. 
Netflix marketing, I think you're kind of uh, on a very loose thread there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Maybe like thinking into it a little too much. Yeah. It's a good idea though. But yeah, just definitely. chill. We don't have to say it's because of the competitiveness of things. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm. You don't have to justify making a birthday channel. Just do it and own it. <laughs> okay, so into the episode for the day. So I thought maybe a good place to start would be just to talk about what a year what a year actually is. Mm. What we most people know that it's when the earth takes a trip around the sun that one trip is a year. But I thought I'd get into the specifics of that a little bit. So, it takes our planet 365.256 days to revolve around the sun once. Ooh, it's yes. a fraction. It's a fraction. Oh. So most years are 365 days, as you know, but every four years, that pesky little 0.256 adds up and we have to add an extra yeah, day. And okay. that's a leap year. So we just chuck February 29th on there and it keeps things That makes so much sense. That's on. how they catch up with the... Exactly. Ah. Very clever, right? Cool. So we stay on track. So Earth travels 940 million kilometers in that time to get around the sun once. Jesus. So they travel at a speed... We... They, they. <laughs> the earth, the others, and all of the people on it travel at a speed of 300 kilometers per, sorry, three, travel at a speed of 30 kilometers per second, which is 1800 kilometers per hour. Does 30, that seem fast? Because I don't think that 30, seems that fast. 30 kilometers a second. Yeah, but I don't think that seems that fast. That's very fast. Well, I mean, so it's fast. If, so if you think about driving through the school zones, that's, yeah. that's 40 kilometers an hour. Yeah. So, but we're talking about the Earth and space going around the sun. Oh, it's slow for a big orbital body. I mean, it's yeah. a pretty big body, but come on, that's pretty fast. <laughs> they, they well, if you had better. a car race with the Earth, it'd be whooping your ass. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> it's all relative. <laughs> <laughs> you know, nothing puts things into perspective like creating a situation where you're in a car race yeah. with the Earth. <laughs> Look, <laughs> and if you wanted to put the Earth in a race against other planets, it is slow compared oh, to other I planets. I want to see that race. I want a front seat to that race. Can you imagine? Mercury's whooping everyone's ass. Oh, Mercury. Um, okay, so it's rotating. We're rotating. It's going around the sun. But not only is the Earth revolving around the sun, it's also rotating. Mm. It's rotating in place as it revolves. It makes one full rotation every 24 hours. Mm. Most people probably know that. Mm-hmm. It explains day and night. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I'm pointing out some really obvious things, but I just want to make sure I cover context. it all. It's all about context. Yeah, exactly. So it's not actually rotating on an axis that goes straight up and down. It's rotating on an axis that's a little bit tilted. It's tilted at 23.5 degrees. Mm-hmm. So imagine there's a big stick going through the middle of the earth. Mm. It's rotating on that, and that stick is tilted at 23.5 mm-hmm. degrees. So that angle of the stick stays the same as the Earth moves around the sun. Mm. So when the seasons change, it's because that part of the planet, the planet at that, in that position at that time, is um, it's different in relation to the sun, and it changes as it goes around. Mm. So when it's summer in your part of the world, it's because the Earth is in a stage where its orbit is, um, sorry, in a stage of its orbit where your hemisphere is a little bit closer to the sun. Yeah. Um, than the other hemisphere because of the angle of that axis. Mm-hmm. So you get hot seasons, you get cold seasons. That makes a lot of get, sense. You know, you get cool seasons. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so many kinds of seasons. Um, yeah, so that's it. So that, that in one year, if you start to get overwhelmed about what a year means and how scary it all mm. is and like, what have I accomplished in the last year? Just remember that like, 
that's what's happening out in space. That's all it is. That's what a year is. Mm. It's very, um, it's a very logical and mm. um, scientific measurement of time. Don't want to put too much emphasis on it if it scares totally. you. Yeah. And it's all in relation to like lifespan, right? I think that's where the, the, like when you start thinking about, oh, I'm a human and I only live for that long. It's like, <laughs> yeah. just chill out. Let's not think about the years necessarily. That's just the pattern and the rhythm, yeah. the rhythm of things, right? So exactly, it's a rhythm. It's, yeah. a rhythm. it's not like it's not like a um, a start and then a destination and then totally. a start and then a finish line. No. Like it's just it's one big block of time. So yeah, so that's, that's Earth's a year trip and the that's sun. what's going on. That's what's going on out there in space. Hmm. It's it, happening right now. Yeah, I know, right? Like <laughs> I have this weird feeling. Like if you listen very carefully, can you feel the hum of the Earth? Oh my god! I can't, but. I feel like sometimes I can. I can. I can hear it. Oh, yeah. You're not it's listening hard long. enough. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, a year. Yeah. Which is also the equivalent to an annual or once a year or yearly, I guess. Yeah. I was curious about this word and uh, potentially where it came from. Does it have other versions? And... Um, of course, it's, you know, Latin is our lovely little sort of family language that we get all these weird and wonderful ways of expressing ourselves from. Um, and the actual word annual means occurring once every year. Then there's other little peculiar offshoots of this word annual that um, at first I was like, oh, yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. And then these other ones, I'm like, what? That's really weird. And why did that come into being? <laughs> so we have another word, which is annualus. Okay. Which is one year old. Like it's a, uh, it's an adjective? Sure. Okay. Um, <laughs> so your beautiful son? He's an annulus. Annulus. Oh, so he's a noun. I want to know what noun. part of speech it is. Yeah, well, it could be probably both. Cool. That's cute. So an, an annual, an annulatic person i don't know it's very hard yeah <laughs> um yeah, now we're just making so now, now you're poking holes in my research <laughs> damn you <laughs> <laughs> um annula is a ring shaped or circular sort of ah, object or because it's a cycle and reference it goes, yeah yeah cool then we have anus which is uh, in ancient room if we have anus in ancient rome the word anus originally meant 10 months because it was the old roman calendar ah. they used um, which was, I don't know if you read into that. But In the Rome episode. It was so complicated and convoluted, that whole calendar. I'm so glad they updated it to the I current know. one. Because it just meant like chopping and changing and jumping months. And anyway. Yeah, it was a mess. Irrelevant. Um, Annus Horribilis, which is a horrible year. Uh-huh. So I don't know what the need to, to come up with a word for a horrible yeah. year, but maybe that was a common thing. and. Well, maybe like, I don't know, peop- I've heard people say that bad things tend to happen in like a cyclical way, like uh, they might all come at once. Right. Maybe, I don't know why, but yeah, maybe that's True. a common thing. Like you just have a really bad year, but then you might have a really great year. We go through development cycles and waxing and waning. That makes yeah. sense. Well, then that explains Annus Mirabilis, or I think Mirabilis means miracles. I yeah. don't know. I'm just speculating. Um but that's a year of wonders or a wonderful year. Oh, nice. So there's, I guess there's an explanation for clumps or cycles of good yeah. years and not so good years. And to round off, there's Magnus Annus, which is my favorite part. 
sounds like a transformer. It, but does. it also sounds very grand. It and, yeah. and it is. It's the great year or a cycle of years. Usually it refer, references thousands of years. Um, and it begins with the golden age. So okay. Magnus Agnes describes the golden age, which then eventually has to deteriorate and ends with a pretty big catastrophe like uh, a fire or a flood. Or if you wanted to be, uh, oh, that's a bit heavy, but let's just say it. Climate change could be described as the end of Magnus Annus. Yeah, the current Magnus Annus. Yeah. Yeah. It's anyway, good. my little uh, ways of sneaking in, little. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just your agenda always pushing Yeah, it I in. know, just sneak a yeah. bit. So that's a little fun uh, journey with words. Cool. That's interesting. Yes. So I thought I would just veer off a little bit because we've been talking about rotations and seasons and all that jazz. And uh, through my studies, I've come across um, a bit more into different schools of thought about seasons and how we got our own sort of understanding of seasons in Australia. Um, And it was based off a European understanding and definition of seasons, which is based on their climate and their weather systems which is vastly different from Australia's climate and weather systems. Yeah. And so while we might follow the same pattern in terms of exchanging warmer and cooler periods, like you had described with the rotation of the, with the access tilt of the earth and being closer or further away from the sun, our seasons actually operate quite differently. Yeah. Um, based on, I guess, different land masses, different ocean cycles around that. And so the typical four seasons that we understand is based on more of a Mediterranean understanding of seasons. Of course. And if that European region. Um, and so that was just imported over as people have come over to Australia. It's actually super weird that we use the same system. It I never is. really thought about that. It really is. Yeah. And, and so people get a bit confused and discombobulated about what our seasons are doing. You know, our winters and springs seem to act a bit weirdly and don't correspond to the calendars as we understand it yeah um now a bit of that is because of climate change is messing with some of the season variability a bit more so they're not as predictable as they used to be but in a bit more of a traditional sense um indigenous australians actually a lot of indigenous first nations communities all had very different seasonal calendars across all of australia like in each area, in each area different... had a very different because cool. the climate's variations were so different and so distinct. In Melbourne, a wandering uh, country, um, they actually had seven seasons to describe um, different natural phenomena. So for them, seasons were important to know what was blossoming when, when certain animals were migrating where. Um, so it was more based on what was happening in the landscape rather than a calendar. Yeah. Um, so we start in December, for example, and you had kangaroo apple season. So, okay, so what was that? Kangaroo apple season. Kangaroo apple. That's what I thought you said, but then yeah. it's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's sort of characterized by changeable, thundery weather, days are long and nights are short. Okay. Um, goannas are active. Bats are catching insects in flight. Fruits appear on kangaroo apple bushes. The... Cherry Ballarat is fruiting. Um, Bunjil, which is the wedge-tailed eagle, is breeding. And 
Obviously, that was Bundjil. And Bundjil, the creative being, is also referred to as the eagle hawk is active as well. Cool. We move into January and February, which is the dry season. It's hot, dry weather, which is high temperatures and low rainfall. The female common brown butterflies are flying. The boet, or the tussock grass, is long and dry. And the southern cross is high in the south at sunrise. We move into March, which is eel season. Ah. Hot winds cease and temperatures cool. Eels are fat and ready to harvest. The managum is flowering. Days and nights are of equal length. And La'an Taka, the hunter, is the star canopus, seen almost due south at sunset. So there's almost a relationship with where the stars and everything else are aligned. So there's a bit more of an understanding of where they are in terms of understanding when to look for certain food and harvest. We have June, we have April, May, June, July as wombat season, which is cool rainy days followed by misty mornings. Lovely. (laughs) Days are short and nights are long. The temperature of highest rainfall, well, sorry, the time of highest rainfall and lowest temperatures. Wombats emerge to bask and graze in the sunshine and superb lyrebirds make perform their courtship displays. It makes winter sound so nice. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Soft tree ferns are the major food when no fruits are available and the constellation of Sagittarius arises in the southeast after sunset, indicating the midpoint of the cool, cold weather. We have orchid season in August. So this is the cold weather is coming to an end. Orchids are flowering. Caterpillars of the common brown butterfly feed on grasses at night. And silver wattles are flowering. The superb lyrebird makes and performs the last of their courtship displays. Koalas begin mating. And males bellow at night. The star Arcturus is seen in the northwestern horizon soon after sunset. October, September, tadpole season. Temperatures are rising, but the rain continues. Flaxillies are flowering. Pied carawongs are calling loudly and often. And the flowering of plants such as murnong, which are yam daisies, indicates the tubers are ready for eating. And the superb lyrebird males have finished displaying and days and nights are of equal length. Hmm. November. Grass flowering season. The weather is warm and is often raining. Kangaroo grass is flowering. Bats are catching insects in flight. And Balayang, the creation being, is also referred to as the bat. Common brown butterflies are flying. And Corinduck is coming into flower, which is a Christmas bush. And the Orion constellation is setting in the western sky around sunrise. Lovely. That's my birth month. So Cool time. Yeah, these are the different seasons that sort of through a more of an indigenous sort of lens of how everything operates and that's how they re- relate to seasons. It makes more sense. It's like specific to an area, which it should be because we have a vastly different <laughs> climate <laughs> and season cycle or pattern than totally. the Northern Hemisphere. So, All right. Well, I thought I'd finish off by just sharing a couple little things that I thought were really cute and sweet and interesting about what happens in a year in nature. Just, you know, a lot of things happen on an annual basis. Mm. All over the world, ecosystems and food chains are completing these annual cycles, um, these cycles of behavior. So plants and animals are acting instinctively, um, but their behavior patterns are interwoven with so many other elements of nature. 
you know, what they do, it's just instinct to them, mm. but it is having a flow on effect to the rest of their ecosystem or their mm-hmm. food chain or whatever it is. So one of my favorites is the salmon. Um, there's been a documentary made about these, these salmon and what they do. Um, so a lot of people love it. I'm not the only one. So at the same time, every year, salmon swim from the ocean to freshwater rivers to have their babies. Mm. It's called the salmon run. Mm. After laying eggs, the adult salmon generally die. That's it. Oh. Um, but the young salmon, they spend their early days in the river growing up, and then they swim out to the sea where they finish growing, feast on the sea life, fatten up. And then when that special time of year comes around again, they return to the rivers so they can have their own babies and they do their own salmon run. <laughs> so they don't settle for just any river. They know they want to have their babies in fresh water, but they manage to return to the same river they were born in and not just the same river, but even the same exact spot in that river wow. where they spent their earliest days. Mm. And they just know, they just know where to go and how to do it. Yep. Um, so the annual salmon run is hugely important for other species in the food chain, as well as the ecosystem. Mm. Um, because when, when salmon are known as what's known as a keystone species, mm-hmm. so it means that they, the impact they have on other species is much greater than an impact you'd expect from a, a relatively small animal. That's how important they are. So them doing that salmon run, while they're just going about their business, doing what they feel they have to do, they're actually all the salmon flowing into the river at that time are a crucial food source for larger animals in their food chain, mm. as well as the different plant life that thrive mm. in that area. It's it's all interconnected and it's very mm. important. So keep doing what you're doing, salmon. <laughs> um, another one I love is the one night stand flower. <laughs> <laughs> so it's an amazing flower. I've never heard of it before this, before doing this research. So it's native to the West Indies and, um, it is grown elsewhere because people just, they love this flower. They're really enamored mm. of it. Um, but it only blooms for one night out of the whole year. Um, it's called the Selenicerus grandiflorus, but also the queen of the night. So that's what I'm going to call it. Queen of the night. Yeah. Wow. So for one night in the whole year, it spends an hour opening into a flower, a bloom of 30 centimeters across. So it's huge. And then it sits there in the moonlight. In all its glory, waiting for moths to take up its nectar and cross-pollinate before the bloom dies. It only has one night a year to do this. Um, so there's this molecular bi- molecular biologist named Dr. Bernstein. Mm. He loves these plants. Um, oh, sorry, she loves these plants, and um, she's managed to successfully grow them in her Long Island apartment. And she said that some of her friends also have queens of the night in their homes. And when Dr. Bernstein's blooms. She calls them up, and sure enough, her friend's plants are blooming too. Mm. So they all bloom at the same time because they have to. They only bloom once a year, mm. and they rely on cross-pollination to survive. Wow. So they have to open and sink um, because they they need that moth to come get the nectar yeah. from one and drop it into another so, so they can cool. produce their pollinated seeds. I love plants so much. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. They, and they, they use the lunar cycles to coordinate mm. it all. Um, yeah, it's so interesting. Man, I wonder if they have like... So they would have crossbreeding parties. Well, they don't have to because um, the moths just take yeah. it and then go. But you'd have to like open your plant up to like the, open all the things and everyone you like. I, oh, I, yeah. I would coordinate with everyone else like, all right, open your windows. Open your windows, yeah. Make sure we're cultivating a lot of moths around yeah. the area at the time. It seems like you'd have to if you're growing them in these like these areas where they're not meant to be grown. Yeah, exactly. Like obviously in the West Indies where yeah. they're native. 
yeah. it's all happening yeah. naturally. But so I mean, there's other ways you can do that. Is you can actually force, well, not force, but you intervene and you'll pollinate them yourself. So you might get each oh, plant yeah. and crossbreed them. You could totally do that, and that's probably how they got them going in the so first place. They probably place. have a little bit of a soiree, like soiree night, where they get a bit of music, candlelight, <laughs> yeah. two plants together in the room. <laughs> Almost like a forced marriage, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Yeah, that's that's that. There's, I mean, there's so many things that are happening all over the world on an annual basis that just happen year after year, quite predictably. Um, and it's beautiful and fascinating. But yeah, I like those too. But to close out, I wanted to ask you. So your birthday's coming up. Mm. My birthday's coming up. Mm. I wanted to ask you, like, what's going to stand out for you about this past year? What will this be the year of the? A great year, a shit year, a mediocre year. Um, How do you think when you look back at this mm, year, you'll remember it? Oof, that's a really good question. It's hard to say, like, until it's hindsight. <laughs> I feel like it would be my graduation year. Yeah, yeah. And in, in, in a metaphorical and a literal sense, like, I'm graduating from uni, but I think in a lot of ways, a lot of things I've set in motion three years ago are now coming into fruition and I'm shifting into a probably a new cycle, a new trajectory and pathway. So yeah, for me, it's it's a step into maybe a period of wisdom and deepening my learning. Cool. Yeah. So kind of like, that's pretty profound. <laughs> it seems like a pretty good year. So like a period of change, but more, mm. maybe not change, more so fruition. Like Yeah, transition, like, coming to a bit of a... A sort of a close and or it's sort of moving in it's in a different direction so some things have closed up and new things are opening up now cool that seems like a good year yeah awesome i'm happy to hear it chair yeah thanks but let's try to think about what i would um look yeah back this year and sadly <laughs> i think i'll just look i mean there's been so many joyful moments mm. like milestones with lenny and even and business milestones that i'm really proud of that mm. have happened this year but i've been really sick Mm. I've been so sick. I've had so many illnesses. I think I'm going to look back on this year as being probably the most unhealthy year of my life. Still
enjoy the ride and let your God above just drive. Now's the time when we all have to say, Have a happy birthday. Celebrate and dance with all your might. Have a happy birthday. Laugh and sing and celebrate your Full of love and grace It pleases us to see your smiling face To see you rise and be a star We know that you'll go really far This life is short and you have just been